Welcome back to Hugs from Heaven for Sister Warriors, a podcast where we talk about our struggles and explore ways we can reclaim the power of our feminine identity and sexuality as breast cancer sister warriors. Hopefully, through this podcast, you will feel many hugs from heaven so that you can contemplate all the information with discernment and develop your own action steps that will restore your physical and emotional health. In this episode, Falling into our true identity, Enneagram and transformation. I interview my wonderful therapist, Catherine Queering, as she talks briefly about the Enneagram and how it can be helpful for breast cancer, sister warriors, and thrivers in our journey to reclaim our feminine identity. As Father Richard Rohr, says, there is a part of you that is love itself, and that is what we must fall into. It is already there. Once you move your identity to that level of deep inner contentment, you will realize you are drawing upon a life that is much larger than your own and from a deeper abundance. The journey to happiness involves finding the courage to go down into ourselves and take responsibility for what's there, all of it. The Enneagram is first of all, a key to self-knowledge. The point is not to nail others down or to have others nail me down, but that I ask myself who I am, what dangers and possibilities there are within me, and how can I find my true self, which God put inside me, because, The best criticism of the bad is the practice of the better. I hope you enjoy this episode and it piques your curiosity to learn more about the Enneagram. Hi ladies, welcome back to episode six of Hugs from Heaven for Sister Warriors. Today on the podcast, I am very um, thrilled to have my therapist, Catherine, on, and um, she is going to be introducing or reviewing the Enneagram and how that can help us in our journey to reclaim our feminine identity and our sexuality. So I'm going to start just by reading a quote from the Center for Action and Contemplation about the Enneagram, what it is and what it isn't. So the Enneagram is a dynamic system. It was developed primarily in an oral tradition in the context of relationships between students and teachers. A dynamic system is one that recognizes that humans are far too complex and nuanced to fit easily into simple categories. It supports the evolving, maturing human journey. The Enneagram is not a strict law or code. Its categories are not meant to bind or restrict you to a certain way of being and living. People who know the Enneagram in a superficial way think it's about putting people into boxes, but it actually works to free people from their self-created boxes. 
The Enneagram is a powerful tool for self-discovery and spiritual transformation, but it shouldn't be your only tool. The Enneagram is most helpful when used in conjunction with other practices like study, meditation, spiritual direction, and life in community with others. The Enneagram is not just a personality typing system. Yes, there are tests and quizzes that help you identify your primary Enneagram type, but that is often just the first step. This tool is meant to help you over a lifelong journey. While self-discovery is important, it is not the Enneagram's final objective. The Enneagram's purpose is to help us uncover the traps that keep us from living fully and freely as our true self so that we will use our unique, authentic gifts for the good of others and the world. So um, as we jump in, and you're going to explain a lot of this for women who maybe have never heard about the Enneagram, or maybe they've heard bits and pieces, but they're not really quite sure how it can help them in this journey in their life. Um, Can you just add your thoughts to what that little brief, teeny introduction of the Enneagram that I read? And then if you can just kind of go in and explain um, what are the Enneagram types and subtypes? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm really passionate about the Enneagram. It's been one of the things that's helped me personally uh, with my growth the most in self-understanding and finding balance and wholeness. And I love being able to use this to work with clients. And I think it can be helpful in anybody's journey, especially um, working through the journey through breast cancer and then accepting and loving your, your body and where you are. Um, after that journey. And I'm really excited to share about that today. Um, So the, one of the things I love about the Enneagram is like you said, it's not just a personality typing, it helps you understand your core motivation and lens for the world. So it's kind of like your greatest superpower and your greatest weakness rolled into one. And it helps you understand how to harness the superpower part without feeling like you have to be a different kind of person or have a different kind of personality to deal with the weaknesses. Um, So it's really powerful. There are so many layers to it. The first layer is understanding what basic number or type you are. There are nine different types. Then there's also um, subtypes, which I'll talk about. And, um, some other layers that we can get into if we have time. But the nine basic types, sometimes people have given names to them, um, but they basically go by their numbers and then you determine what fits you the best. Basically, I think it's a very intuitive system. So even though there are lots of tests out there to help you figure it out, whichever number feels like it really resonates with you and explains you, that's how you know what your dominant number is. I stumbled upon the Enneagram originally from Father Richard Rohr, and um, I hadn't even heard of him until I heard of him being interviewed on one of Oprah's Super Soul Sunday shows. And then once I started reading some of his work, um, then I realized he was a big leader in, um, in the Enneagram. And I, and I, I put it in the back of my head as something I, I wanted to look into down the road. I had time. And then, um, 
as I was really realizing that in my breast cancer journey, I was not, I had stuffed a lot of my emotions and felt like I hadn't really processed them. Um, and I've never, um, I have gone to therapy a couple times, many, many years ago in my life for different reasons. And, um, <clears throat> I thought, well, maybe that's a good idea, but I thought, I'm surely there's gotta be therapists out there that know about the Enneagram and use it. And so that's kind of how I found you. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I, um, it has made a world of difference in my ability. In fact, it is because of therapy that I was able to break through and even create this podcast, which, um, is not easy for me as a seven, (laughs) a sexual seven type, um, to, to do that. So, um, so what would you like to share with us as far as, um, how you feel different types and, and their subtypes might react and respond to this feeling of the stripping away of their feminine identity and how they feel as a woman, um, and how understanding their type or, and subtype could help them to process, um, this better. Right. So I'm going to start with the example that you mentioned of feeling like you noticed you had stuffed a lot of your emotions and hadn't dealt with them through this process, because I think that's one of the things that the Enneagram can be so helpful in helping you understand why you do that and then how to change it, right? Because each number would have a different reason for doing that or a different way of handling their emotions, especially when you're going through something so difficult and so stressful. And then helping you understand the best way to feel alive and feel connected to yourself again, probably also depends on your number. So I'll run through each of the numbers in a minute, but I wanted to say as far as that specific issue, um, well, I'll, I'll do that as I run through the numbers. How about that? So the number one, the basic desire is to have integrity. They like to be improvers in the world. The basic fear is that I'm bad or defective and their lost childhood message is that you are good. So for ones, they might typically react with anger or resentment or um, be really self-critical as they're going through Mm -hmm. stressful things. So that might be how they're experiencing the difficult time in their life. Um, Mm -hmm. Uh, the, for the two, the basic desires to be loved, their fear is that I'm unworthy of being in loved unless I'm helping you or unless I'm doing something for you. Um, and their lost childhood message is that you're wanted. So for a two during this time to feel like I can't be the one helping, I have to receive could be really, mm-hmm. really difficult. And I have to ask for help. That's really difficult Mm -hmm. for two. And that would be something that would be a major growing point. And for example, with Mm -hmm. emotions for twos, they often stuff them in order to be loving or helpful to others. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Is the reason that they would be stuffing them down. Mm -hmm. Um, If I show my feelings or that I need something, people might be turned off. They might not be there Mm -hmm. for me kind of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. for number three, the basic desire is to be valuable. 
their fear is that I'm worthless or lacking value. And their lost childhood message is that you were loved for yourself. So for threes, one of the difficult things might be that they don't appear successful. They can't be successful as they usually are. They really um, thrive on being seen as successful or winning or having this positive image. And that's really hard to maintain when you're going through something so difficult, right? To accept this mm -hmm. is who I am and this is where I am. Um, for the fours, the basic desire is to be oneself and to be understood correctly as oneself and seen for who they are. Um, the basic fear is that I'm misunderstood, I'm lacking identity or personal significance, and their lost childhood message is that you're seen for who you are. Um, so for fours, they tend to be really in their feelings, and they, but they can get kind of lost and overwhelmed by them. So mm -hmm. their journey through dealing with their feelings through this would be, I can feel what I'm feeling, but I am not my feeling. Mm -hmm. So let the feelings come and go, and then I can still be solid in the middle of that and grounded. Mm -hmm. um, for fives, the basic desire is to be competent. Their basic fear is I'm useless, incapable, or incompetent. And their lost childhood message is that your needs are not a problem. So one of the strengths for fives during this time would be they like to do a lot of research and feel empowered when they have lots of information. So it would be mm -hmm. easier for a five to gather all the information that they needed to make good mm -hmm. decisions for their treatment. But they mm -hmm. could also get lost in, I need more information. And it could be really hard to take action Mm -hmm. to do what they need to do. That, I'm glad you mentioned that because although I'm not a five and we can, you, I'm sure you're going to mention this later. Mm -hmm. I, I actually did often respond in that way. Right. And that's right. What, right. Because it's you one know. of your resource points for your number. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So um, each number has two other resource points. So one that shows up more often in stress and one that shows up more often when you're feeling secure but they're both resource points to help you find balance. Mm -hmm. Which yeah. is different than your subtype right. or your wings. Right. So. <laughs> yes. There's so many different layers. We'll try to keep them straight, but um, that's part of what brings this wholeness and balance is that there's so many different ways to find balance within mm -hmm. this. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that was a five. Yes. So we're on the six. Yes. So number six, the basic desire is to be secure. And their basic fear is I'm without support or guidance. Mm -hmm. Their lost childhood message is that you are safe. So sixes tend to be worst case scenario thinkers, the, the what ifs. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And that could be really overwhelming. <laughs> mm -hmm. You're dealing with something that has a lot of things that could be pretty catastrophic. Um, and how do I deal with what actually is without making it worse? How do I feel like I can be aware of the things that could go wrong so I can be prepared, but not overwhelmed by them? Mm -hmm. um, one of the balancing things for sixes is getting grounded in their bodies and not getting lost in all of the worries and the anxious thoughts and being able to feel like they have enough space to process and make a good decision for themselves. Um, 
mm-hmm. and that they have authorities they can trust um, instead of being kind of blown about by so many different perspectives and which one do I listen to to make a good decision for myself here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. My sister friend, mm-hmm. my dear sister friend who I've had on the podcast, she's a six and yeah. so I'm a seven. And so that's often quite fun how we can support each other, but then also drive each other crazy because right. of that. Right. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, and so then on to seven, on to which seven. is me. Yay. Um, so the basic desire for seven is to be happy. The fear is that I will be deprived or trapped in pain. The lost childhood message is that you will be taken care of. So I don't know if you want to speak about that a little bit, Helene, from your journey. So I was, you know, we were talking about why you would feel like you'd stuff emotions would be different, right? Of like, I don't want to deal with them. And also, Mm -hmm. I don't approach the world through emotions, Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And that's something you and I have talked a lot about (laughs) through therapy is I didn't realize that, you know, I just everyone always thought I was just a very optimistic, you know, fun person. Mm -hmm. And um, that's kind of my normal operating mode. And um, I didn't realize that I was just not like I often wouldn't even be aware of what I was feeling, especially if it were negative negative emotions. And I didn't really understand that, um, which I'm understanding is common for sevens. Um, because, and you can explain that the reason why behind that, um, I will say in addition to the Enneagram, one type of therapy, and I've, like I've said, I've been, I've seen a couple therapists in my life, not a whole lot, but I've never also had, um, done with me is EDMR. EMDR. And Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, I said that wrong. E-D-M-R, right? Ah, E-M-D-R. And so, and maybe you can, I mean, I know how it works for me and how it worked for me and how powerful it is. Um, Maybe, maybe you can say a little bit about that too and, and why that could, what it is and why it could be helpful to help sevens who have a really difficult time and their normal thing is to not want to feel the, those negative Emotions. Right, right. Um, so EMDR stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, which is why we just call it EMDR. Um, and it is one of the gold standard trauma treatments that helps you process through trauma where or any disturbing life event um, that helps you reduce the emotional intensity of that event and helps you shift what you take out of the event. So your belief about yourself. So that's a little tiny little overview about that. Mm -hmm. And for you, I know you had experienced that it was very grounding and helped you stay with your emotions Mm -hmm. so that you could process Mm -hmm. through them where normally you would go into thinking through them. And this way you were able Mm -hmm. to feel through them and work your way through them. And for different numbers, I think it helps people be grounded in whatever they haven't processed, right? So that they can get through that part of it. And I think that's important to distinguish Mm -hmm. because I didn't understand, you know, my sixth friend would make comments to me and I didn't get it. And then in therapy with you and then learning the Enneagram, like I really did think about my feelings. Right. Instead of 
feeling my feelings. And can you explain that a little more in practical terms? Because I know that's probably confusing for people. Like, how does one do Right, that? right. So I'll go <laughs> ahead and mention the triads. Um, so there's three different centers of intelligence or triads, they're called, um, in Enneagram framework. There's the heart or feeling center. There's the head or thinking center. And then there's the gut or instinctive center. And each of the numbers fits within one of those as their primary way of experiencing and relating with the world. So mm-hmm. eight, nine, and one are all gut intuitive tri- body center triad. Three, four, uh, two, three, and four are in the feeling triad. And then five, six, and seven are in the head thinking triad. So mm-hmm. we do all three of them. Everyone does. But whichever triad you are, that is the way that you most easily experience and relate with the world. And then there's usually a secondary one that comes fairly easily Mm -hmm. as well. And a third one that feels, um, I've heard it termed subordinate, which I think is helpful. Mm -hmm. So it's not that you're not good at it. You just don't practice it or relate to it as much. It usually Mm. takes a little extra work. So it takes that outside person to help you process or something that helps you stay grounded to get to that part. Um, You know, and that has to do with where we go in stress and in rest, right? That's, and that's, I think that was helpful for me to understand why sevens, why it's act, why it really is difficult for sevens because that because normally you, we do have a connection with all three centers depending on where we go in rest and in stress, so right? Those are, and sevens, yeah. Don't. So those are helpful. Um, and the thing you're referencing is that sevens go to another head center in one of the resource points, and they go to a body center in the other one, and they don't go to the feeling center at all, right? So that makes it harder. Mm-hmm. Some numbers don't go to either they're (laughs) so um Mm -hmm. the resource points can help you be more connected to a triad but they're not necessarily Uh the way that you would also connect to a triad it might be a wing it might be some other way Uh Um, so a number on either side of your dominant number can be what's called a wing and that's another layer of the enneagram and which i'm a seven with an eight wing um, as my more dominant wing, which is another way I connect with my body center. Right. And I do feel like I am connected. I, I have a strong connection to right. that, even though I am in the head right. triad. Right, exactly. Um, so, you know, usually whichever one is the hardest for you, you just need extra support to be able to access it. Um, Okay, so we kind of jumped into the the um, triads, um, and we stopped at seven. So let's finish eight and nine, and then we can talk more about that and the subtypes. Um, So eight's basic desire is to protect their self. Um, Their basic fear is I could be harmed or controlled by others. Um, They often fear, fear being betrayed, and their lost childhood message is that you will not be betrayed. So eights tend to be, they're sometimes known as the challenger. So they're very action centered. They like being honest and frank and direct and taking quick action. 
um, it's harder for them to be vulnerable or um, tender. They have that part to them that they can access through their resource point to the two, but it usually happens when they feel really secure or in very close relationships where it's the easiest. Okay. Um, and we can talk in a minute about how that part has helped you in your journey. Mm -hmm. um, I'll go ahead and finish with nine. So the basic desire for nine is to be at peace. The basic fear is I'm disconnected or unimportant. And the lost childhood message is your presence matters. So for nines, when things get overwhelming, they tend to shut down. It's almost like they have a light switch that they can turn off and turn off all the anxious thoughts in their brains and um, just kind of be numb to it, um, which can be very confusing to other types because I think they're the only, <laughs> the only ones that can do that. <laughs> um, for them, harmony and lack of conflict and contentment, mm -hmm. both in their outside world and internally is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and so that would be something that they would be seeking um, throughout this journey. And something that would be difficult, I think, is if things feel really overwhelming, they might shut down and it might be hard to make decisions and take action and that kind of thing, unless they have an eight wing or, you know, someone that's helping them be able to sort through things and not feel so overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that's hopefully helpful. And again, um, I know the big question is when I introduced this to one of my friends and they hadn't heard of the Enneagram, um, you know, reading and trying to figure out, like you said, I was like, if you have to decide this, right. I can't tell you what you right. are. I might have my own hunch, but right. you've got to read through these descriptions right. and then, and then and what really helped him was reading the subtypes yeah. of the types. And that really helped him to kind of narrow it down yeah. where he really thought he was. And then he did end up going online and taking the mm -hmm. test um, at the Enneagram Institute. But so can you talk about, um, and I'm fine to use my example, like the, this, how the subtypes um, cause a type to look differently and how you think that might um impact what you just shared about about the type absolutely and I was just going to mention real quick um, we'll put in the show notes but my favorite two resources to start with um, are the road back to you to figure out your type and learn more about it and then the honest Enneagram um, and we'll link to those in there as well um, so the subtypes are almost a completely different thing there are three different subtypes and then whichever one you are, it shows up differently based on what your number is. So your dominant Enneagram number. So it's kind of a whole different layer of the Enneagram, but is even more basic and more instinctual than your number. So this comes out really early in our lives and our Enneagram numbers are developed more over the course of our whole childhoods. It's the way that we mm -hmm. learn to feel successful and protected and that mm -hmm. we develop over time. And the subtypes mm -hmm. um, are much more instinctual. <laughs> um, so the, the three different ones are self-preservation, social, and then the last one is called either sexual or one-to-one -one because it's not necessarily focused on sex. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's <laughs> confusing. That. Right. Um, it's more... <laughs> 
this intense one-to-one relationship. Right. So for self-preservation, um, they tend to be focused on getting and maintaining physical safety and comfort. They want to feel prepared and have a comforting environment. So if you're going through a breast cancer journey and then trying to figure out how do I make peace with my body and love myself and accept where I am and make all these decisions for self-preservation. I think some of the most basic things would be like, my comfort is out the window. Like I'm so aware of how much pain I'm in. I'm so aware of, I need to find the right medicines or the right environment or the things to help me feel comfortable, to help me feel better. Um, Those kind of things are probably going to be in the forefront of their minds. And once they have those things, then they can focus on other things. (laughs) Um, Yeah. For the social subtype, they want to be accepted and necessary. They're subconsciously focused on others' reactions to them and whether they're accepted. So they tend to be really aware of power, prestige, and hierarchies. Just when they enter a room, that's what they notice. Where the self-preservation types would notice what's the temperature of the room, where's the food, where's the bathroom, (laughs) things like that that are more comfort related. Um, And the Mm -hmm. social would be more interested in like how, who's talking to who and what's happening and where do I fit in and that kind of thing. So I think that also can give you some insight into your journey and where do I fit in now? My body is different. Mm -hmm. My image as a woman is different. How do I, I, I have this disability in a sense. Mm -hmm. How do I show up and are people perceiving me differently? And how do I fit in this world again Mm -hmm. as a different type of person? Um, Mm -hmm. And that would be um, maybe more of a focus. And then the last one, the sexual or one-to-one, which you've mentioned is your subtype, is searching for a connection there's an attraction to intense experiences or people. And this type is subconsciously looking outside themselves for someone or something to complete them. So you can talk a little bit about how that shows up for you. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, With my journey, because that's, I mean, I'm sure fueled a lot of why I wanted to do this podcast event Um, because, because of my own struggles with my sense of, you know, feeling my feminine identity had been stripped away and who I was, you know, which, how that impacted my ability to connect right. with others. And as a single woman, um, um, wanting to date and build a support system of not just friends, but of hopefully having a partner right. and getting, being able to have, being affirmed through that type of relationship that I still was right. a woman you know, and how that could, I mean, for me, that was, I felt it so important. And uh, I think, and I know I told you this and I, I've shared it in an earlier podcast. I'm not going to go into detail, but even going to my chemo treatment, when my nurse shared with me the research about, you know, uh, unfortunately how single women, it would often pull them out of this and they wouldn't reenter the dating world for a long right. time because of this. And I was determined, nah, hell no, that is not going right. to be me. Didn't understand right. why I felt so driven right. in that. But. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, that, that was definitely 
true. Um, so then how I processed my, my struggle with feminine identity shows up very different. A, because I'm a seven. B, because my pro- dominant subtype is sexual, sexual one-to-one. So I like that term better. Um, and, and how it could look very different even for a seven who was a self-preservation right. seven. Or a social seven, right? I was thinking it might be oh, yes. helpful if we went through a little bit of, in your journey, how has being a seven with an eight wing with the um, one-to-one subtype impacted your journey, right? So the way that the seven-eight combination has helped you get through things and also the struggles mm-hmm. you've had um, and how okay. we kind of worked to help you get through them or find balance that might be a helpful example for people then as they're getting to know their number and how do I work through it? Yeah. Cause I know we don't have time to go into each of them yeah, as much in depth as, as we yes. hope to. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I can say for me that, that probably the biggest struggle I had was not being in touch with my, with all mm-hmm. the emotions. I mean, I, and, and then, and then actually having a couple episodes of, you know, PTSD, like when I visited back to where I had my mastectomy right. and, um, that was, you know, significant, but then even it, other episodes where I didn't know I wasn't feeling something or it was so pushed down right. that being able to find right. it and feel right. it, well, it well, I don't, I couldn't have done that right. on my own without therapy. Um, I mean, even having a good sister friend, you know, I, I needed the therapy to be able to do that. And specifically, I think the, the Enneagram and um, the ED. Yeah. Helped. Um, I think a strength that helped me through it was my eight wing. Absolutely. Um, because I mean, I mentioned this before, like I always seem to have, like my body would tell me yes, no. And when I listened to it, Right. You know, the, the right. right choices were made. And when I didn't, it, the wrong choices were made. And then self-advocacy, right. you know, um, and right. advocacy, you know, when I'm, you know, standing up for myself and when I'm not being given the, all the information or right. pushing through to find the right. answers. Um, I think that's where my eight wing, um, you know, really right. helped me. Um, so I think that I've had strengths and struggles. Right. And I would guess that as a seven, probably being able to reframe things in a positive way to get yourself through it was hugely helpful. Yes, that's true. I do naturally do that as well, which can be a positive. But if I'm doing it to avoid a negative emotion, then it's not healthy, right? Finding that balance. Now I'm able. I'm able to do that while still feeling my negative emotion. I can hold space for that, and also reframe it and see the good that comes from that. I also have a very strong Mm -hmm. faith. So that kind of empowers that as well with my ability to find the gratitude, even when going through very difficult things and truly believing that all things work together for good and God uses all things. Um, And so, yes, that definitely, you know, my faith, my, Enneagram seven right. type um, helped right. me a lot with, you know, going right. through that and being able, being right. able to do that. Um, and I've heard you say too, that 
you were able to do so much in-depth research to know what you needed yes. to do. And I think that was a strength from being in the head triad and having a resource point in the, in the head thinking triad, right? That you were able to assimilate and go mm -hmm. through all that information mm -hmm. pretty well, even in the midst of yeah. being stressed and in pain and having so many decisions to make. And I think what you brought out of that can help so many people that that's very hard for them to do yeah. in that situation. That's, so that's a good point. That's a good point because my sixth friend says she has no idea how I can just have 10 jillion ideas or things going on and still like go right. to that space where I'm really right. sifting through the research or right. really, you know, looking right. at all that. And it's oddly enough comforting yeah. <laughs> for me. Right. Um, right. You know, it's a, it's a way that I, I go to that is a way of comforting, you know, finding right. comfort and, and right. a support. Um, and also I've been honest that I didn't have much support cause I was new to mm -hmm. an area and I didn't have family in the area. And so I think that part also helped me to, it was, it was as if it was a type of support right. system to be able right. to do that um, and, and go there. Um, so, and yeah, that's because I am in the head center that you're right. Cause seven is head. And then I also go to the head mm -hmm. to a five, yep. right? Um, when, when I'm in responding and yes. rest or not rest. And security. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I know we don't, we're past the time that we said we were going to spend on the podcast, but I don't know if there's any closing comment, any final thing that you'd like to share um, with the listeners? Um, yes, I, I hope this has been helpful as a kind of introduction to the Enneagram and how it can give you a lot of insight in your own self-understanding and your journey and that you'll take advantage of learning more about it and incorporating it into your growth um, and Helene, thank you for letting me be a part of this. I really enjoyed being able to do this with you today. Well, thank you for coming on. I know your time is precious and <clears throat> I just know that this can help so many women who are going through this, um, no matter what their Enneagram type is, it can really help them, um, in their journey to feel, you know, to reclaim who they are and their true self. And, um, and so, um, we, I will post those resources and I will also post your website, um, um, as a therapy because you can, I know mm -hmm. you're going on maternity leave, congratulations, but you, you're licensed in Florida, yes. Virginia and Illinois, yes. correct? So, um, and we do therapy right. long distance because we're, although we're in the same state, we're in completely yes. different places in the state. So, um, so thank you for your time and, um, and for this really important information, I hope it really does pique the curiosity of others so that they can um, go and learn some more information on this. Whew. Well, that just went by way too quick and we didn't have near enough time to talk about all of the layers of the Enneagram. So my therapist has been so kind to volunteer to do another episode when she comes back from maternity leave. 
So if you're a woman who either already knows your Enneagram type, or maybe this is your first time hearing about it and you're going to explore some of the resources to help you identify your type and learn more about it, and you would like to perhaps participate in an upcoming episode on my podcast, please leave me a voicemail and let me know that and let me know how to reach you. I think it might be really helpful to do a podcast with Breast Cancer Sister Warriors and Thrivers of different Enneagram types where we can compare and contrast our journey through that lens. It takes a lot of courage to dive deep into ourselves and take responsibility for what's there, for all of what's there. But if we dive with compassionate curiosity, it'll enable us to dive deep. Like a scuba diver learns to release the air pressure from the air squeeze they experience when they're diving so that they can keep diving deeper, compassionate curiosity can help us to release what I call the soul squeeze pressure so that our souls can really stay open for true transformation to occur. Until next time, my sister warriors and thrivers, I'm sending you lots of supportive warm energy so that you can go and be your bold, brave, beautiful self.